Today's lesson is entitled Vision. Vision. It doesn't look like now what it will look like later. It doesn't look like now what it will look like later. I picked this particular passage because, again, we're still honoring our family business messages. And as we serve as franchisees and as we continue to develop our walk with God, there's one thing that is important to every business. Every business has to have a vision. Now, what they call it in business is they call it a vision statement. And it is a written statement of where you want to be in business. So what you do is you write out the destination of where you would like to be. Now, remember I said the title is, it doesn't look like now what it will look like later. But so what you're doing is you're writing out what you want the business to look like. It's not that now. You can't see that now, but you can see it down in the future. It is seeing in advance what you want to become. And that's what Palm Sunday was about. Many people were looking at Jesus and they had one idea, one thing, but Jesus had a whole nother plan connected together. The difference in what you see is vision. It answers the question of where we are going. Nobody understands all the time why you made that choice and why you picked this job and why you opened that door because they don't have the vision. But your vision statement of being a servant of God, you need to have a vision of where you want to go. How dare you come out of a monstrous 2020 and sulk over what happened in 2020 and forget to cast a vision for 2021. When Moses died, Joshua, they told Joshua, uh, God told Joshua, he said, I'm giving you 30 days to mourn. I'm giving you 30 days, but he said, Moses is dead. The charge is yours. So I'm trying to remind you that things change. People leave, struggles occur, but God has not left you. The momentum is still there. What he wants for you is to have vision. He wants you to see yourself healthy. He wants you to see yourself serving. He wants you to see yourself in the right place. You cannot allow where you are to your discontentment to fog up your lenses. If you wear your mask, you know, you put your glasses over, you're not careful, you blow real hard, this fogs up the lens, you can't see. You got to get rid of the fog, eradicate the fog of the past and write your vision statement about where you're going. Now, let me give you some context about this particular passage we're going to look at today. I want to talk about context. And in this context, today's story will tell us how God wants to rebuild his house and he wants to restore prosperity to his land. 
God says, I am bringing you back into this land because I want to restore your prosperity. Now, they had just come out of exile. In other words, the Babylonians had come in and took them captive because they were disobedient. They were in 70 years of exile. And so now God allows them to come back into the land. But when they came back into the land, they were disgruntled. Stuff was torn up, you know, like after a riot, you come back back in your city and the windows are broke and fires are burning. It doesn't look promising. I got a them already. I mean, you're looking at 2021 because 2020 did some damage. Last week did some damage, but this is a new week. You got to cast a vision that sees beyond the fires and the broken glass. You have to see beyond the hate and the turmoil and the trauma. So God is saying, I'm giving this vision because I want to tell you, I'm going to rebuild your house. That's a message for somebody. I'm going to restore your blessing and your prosperity. You are not exempt from trial, but you all also are not exempt from rebuilding. Ah, God, I feel him. So what God does, he employs Zechariah to encourage the people to help them see the future is bright. Now watch this. Zechariah is the vision caster. Zechariah is not the temple builder. <laughs> Zechariah is the, bil- the, the, the vision caster. In other words, he sees the vision and he tells the message to the people. We're going to find out later that it's Zerubbabel <laughs> who is actually the one who does the building and Zerubbabel is not even a believer. <laughs> God, you... Oh my God, God uses the unlikely of people to do his job. And so God says, I'm going to take the unlikeliest of circumstances and show you, keyword, show, vision, see, show you that I'm going to rebuild what has been torn down. So Zechariah sees this vision and he encourages the people. They had just gotten out of this captivity. They were not very hopeful. And there was a stall in the progress. They came. Have you ever started something and you were excited, but it's taken a little longer than you anticipated. And then you put it down and you never pick it up. This is where they were. They started building the temple, but only the foundation was built. And they got tired and they started complaining. And then they said, well, I'm going to build my own house. And they started building their own houses. They started working on me. I'm going to do me, boo. And they started focusing. But the difference between a sullen spirit, a discontented attitude is the power of a vision. I'm telling some of you, if you can get your vision back, you'll start building again. It's the casting of a vision that helps you to see what you can be. If you cannot see it, then you will not believe it. You will not trust it and have confidence in it. So Jesus comes with this vision. He gives this concept as he comes into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, riding in on a donkey. This was the vision many had seen from the prophets in the Old Testament. Everybody in the Old Testament heard, here come the the, the Messiah will come. The Messiah, the King will come. He will come. Here's the problem, folks. Here's the problem, sugar. They thought he was going to be riding in on a black stallion, a white stallion with a crown on his head saying, oh, I'm the King. This man came in on a donkey mind you a bo 
borrowed donkey. The disciples stole him or leased him from some uh, a man that Jesus told him to get him from. He rides in on a donkey, not looking very champion-like, but looking disheveled and like a regular old tattered man. But the difference between crucify him and Hosanna is the casting of a vision. Are you with me? It didn't quite pan out the way they thought. In other words, they had a vision of a Messiah coming, but they didn't see it like that. Ah, God, I feel good. They didn't know he was coming to die so that they could live. These idiots, I'm not going to call them idiots. I'm just going to say that they were people with a bad vision. In other words, they thought that they were coming. He was coming to set up the kingdom and everybody's going to be happy. No, he came to die. But the effect would still be the same. Don't get discouraged because the way God takes is not the way you saw it. But make sure the result is the same at the end. I God, I feel him. <laughs> they didn't see him riding in on the donkey. And so I have a question for you, pre- Cheryl, what do you do? What do you do when what you're looking at doesn't look like what you have envisioned? Here's what I want to know. Here's what I want to know, Shanika. If you're looking at this thing, you're looking at your job, you're looking at your life. You uh, wait, wait a minute. Where's my wallet? I only have my wallet. But look at your wallet, and this don't look like what I've seen. This <laughs> this bank account does not look like what I've seen. What do you do when what you're looking at doesn't look like what you have envisioned? You know that. There's more in you. You know there's more capacity in you, little Ben. You know there's more to this gift than what you're producing. And the difference between the reality and what you see is the power of the vision. The palms of Palm Sunday meant victory, but the people didn't understand the conflict. Watch this now. Palms don't readily register something very good. Palms, palms don't look very beautiful. They don't look like roses and lilies and carnations. They're just green leaves. But it's what they represent that gives the message. The palms represent victory. So even though he was on a donkey, even though he looked like a regular man, he was walking on top of victory. The palms indicate peace. A moment of peace is coming. The beginning of the end is here and I'm walking on what looks like victory and what looks like peace. Calmness comes when you see it better. Don't you say, don't you say, don't you say this, don't you say this, you say, you say, once you understand something, you say, ah, I see, I see. In other words, you get it now, cousin Kevin, you get it. You start to say, I see. In other words, calmness comes when you see, ah, God. So the reason there were some who could cry Hosanna was because they could see beyond the man. They could see beyond the crucify him. They could see beyond the leaves on the ground. We do better than palm. Our, our, our symbolism of palms is red carpet. We put red carpet out at the Oscars, the Emmys, the Grammys. We roll it out because what we're saying is somebody of value is walking. Have you 
ever gone to the airport and they have the nerve to have a line right next to your line with a red carpet to call them preferred customers? I'd be like, wait a second. I, I, just because I'm not in the club, I can't. Well, never mind. That's, uh, my own frustrations are coming up right there. Wait a second. But we put down carpet because we actually say that these people are royalty. And some people were able to see that even though these are green palms, these are nothing but leaves. I see royalty. I see the king. I see Hosanna coming. And you've got to walk on your regular old sidewalk. You got to walk on your regular old job carpet. You got to walk on your scuffed up hardwood floor at home and say, I see the king coming. I see value in me. I see purpose. I see significance. You've got to make the ground under you valuable. Wasn't it Jesus? Wasn't it God who told Moses? He said, take off your feet because you're standing on holy ground. He told Joshua, he says, wherever you put your feet, I will give it to you. In other words, you are the gift. You are the franchise. And wherever you put your foot is red carpet. It is palm trees. And you've got to see yourself as valuable. But you will not walk in confidence and in power and in victory if you do not see it. Can I get an amen? Is there anybody who's tracking with me? He gives this vision. He gives this vision to Zechariah of what is ahead and to point them away from your current vision that is disappointment. And I want to encourage some of you today. I want to just for a moment transverse your vision away from what you're looking at that is so disappointing. I want you to just take, I want to take you away for a moment. I want to try to give you some words of God, hallelujah, hallelujah, that will take you away from the despair of your pain. I want to give you something and I want to show you how powerful God is and perhaps show you, give you a different vision from what you've been struggling with all week. Are you ready for it? I want to look at Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah is known for his visions. I like that. He had eight night visions that God used to get messages to his people. He had eight visions, y'all. And we must remember that visions carry powerful messages. They are connected to a bigger purpose. A person, listen to this carefully, you might want to make a note of this, a person without vision is a person who lives with no aim. A person without vision is a person without aim. In other words, any target will do. And that's why any relationship will work, any job will do, any circumstance will do, any friendship will do. You are not living with vision. My vision, I have set my goals, I have set my target on the things that God has desired for me and I will not deter or deflect from that vision just because you ask me to go act up with you. Let me try and give you some hope in the text because you're tired of Pastor Cherry talking, I know. So let me give you some text to look at. The Bible said in Zechariah 4, looking at verses 1 through 3, he says, then the angel who talked with me returned and wakened me as a man is wakened from his sleep. He asked me, here it is, this is the angel talking to Zechariah, what do you see? Somebody say that to yourself right now, just right where you are, say, what do you see? That's the question we're going to ask today. He said, I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand 
with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it with seven channels to the lights. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. What do you see that is the question. Somebody said again, what do you see? In other words, what do you see once you start going into your Jerusalem? Now, Jesus knew that Jerusalem waiting for him in Jerusalem was his own death. But what do you see? Do you only see the cross, but you don't see the three days after, which is the resurrection? You can't stop at the trouble. I want to tell somebody forever trouble, for every trouble you get, there is a counter victory when you walk in with God. God is not going to put more on you than you can bear. God is not going to ever allow you to experience something that's going to destroy you. I preached that to you last week. God has already given us an out. So the Bible says in Peter, he says, think it not strange when you, or James, think it not strange when you fall into diverse temptations or trials. In other words, he says, have joy about this because we know that tribulation worketh experience and experience hope. These things, these things are working for us a far greater victory. Even Peter talks about, he says, he says, be blessed. In other words, consider it a blessing when you go through hardships. These are what our prophets have gone through. These are what our our mentors and our fathers and, and mothers have gone through in the past. So he says, listen, don't allow just the cross that's ahead to dictate your joy. You have to be able to, You let, let me show you. Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it, Maisha. Here's what you do. You see that cross? You see that cross right there? That's where you headed. You headed to the cross. But here's what you got to do. You got to. Look, look around that cross, look around that cross, be like, wait a second, I see the cross, but what's behind, what's behind that trouble, God, what's behind that divorce, what's behind that foreclosure, what's behind this grieving heart from losing a loved one, nobody's excited about that, nobody, even Jesus went to the garden and said, uh, daddy, if there can be another way to do this, please let this happen, but you've got to be able to see it differently, what do you see once you start working in the temple again. Once they start building the temple, this was the critical issue. God wanted to give a message through Zechariah and say, don't lose your sight. Don't lose the vision and the power. And what Zechariah saw was a well-oiled machine. And I'm going to show that to you in just a second. But my question to you is, what do you see when you look in the mirror? I want somebody to go, Joy, can you grab the mirror for me real quick? I want, just grab the mirror right there. I want to, I want somebody to look in the mirror. What do you see when you look in the mirror? And what do you see when you look at your own pictures? I, I want, I want, wait a second. Let me do a little profile here. Wait, wait a second. Uh, what do you see? I, I need to be able to see. I see, I see, I see uh, victory. I see uh, blessing. I see potential. I see anointing. I see, do you see what I'm saying? I want somebody to get your mirror and I want you to look at, do you remember, uh, 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 um, the, the, uh, the, the, the say, uh, uh, 
uh, I see Louise, I see uh, Tommy, I see, which what you watch, Hobo Kelly, and the lady would come on, she used to have on, uh, uh, look in the mirror, and she would see all these beautiful things, I want you to, I want you to look, even, even Morris Day had Jerome come on the stage to say, in other words, you look good. You have to be able to see who you are. All right, I digressed for a minute, but I want to make the point. You have to be able to see it. So let me show you what Zachariah saw. I'm running out of time, but I got to make sure that you get some help here on this Palm Sunday. This is Zachariah's lampstand vision. I want you to look at it. It's a little blurry, but I want you to see. The vision was he saw a lampstand. It had seven candles, like a menorah, just like a regular candelabra, uh, a stem that stood up. It had seven lamps. But on top of the seven lamps, can you see the bowl? At the top, there's a bowl there. There's a bowl on top. And from that bowl, if you could see just under that bowl, let me see if I can point it out to you right here. Just under the bowl, there is a, a tube that's coming out right on that side. You could see it coming right on that side. That tube is feeding from the bowl into the lampstand. All right, so the bowl is providing oil to the lampstand. But wait a second. Now, if you look at the tree, if you look at the tree, you see some pipes from the trees feeding the bowl. So here we have the vision. Uh, let me show you right up here. If you can see, if you can see the, the pipe. Right here going into the bowl area there, the pipe from the trees are feeding the bowl. The bowl is feeding the lamps and the lampstand is made of gold. Ah, God, I want you to get that picture. This is juicy. What Zachariah saw is exactly what this picture looks like to the best of some artist's degree, of course. I mean, it's not perfect. But here's what I want you to take away from this. I want you to write this down. Vision can be impaired by our current understanding. Vision can be impaired by our current understanding. In other words, sometimes you think God is going to do it the way only you understand it. Watch this. Have you ever been reading something and based on what you already know, you assume that's what the writer meant? In other words, you're just reading fast and it sounds like the story is going along. You know where this is headed. So you just kind of skim through it. But when you read it again slowly, what you thought the writer said wasn't there at all. This is called allowing your current understanding to alter your future vision. In other words, because you come to a text with the presupposition, in other words, you think you know what it's going to say already, you're not open to what God is trying to say. Ah, watch this. So if Zechariah is looking at this picture, he may have a preconceived concept of how lampstands work, of how oil works, and how trees olive trees work. In other words, there's already enough information and understanding to make up a thought of how this should work. Ah, God. Have you ever had a dream and you just assume you figured that this is what it means based on the elements that are in it? Ah, God, you're not going to get this. I'm telling you that your vision can be impaired by your current understanding. What he sees he sees correctly. Nobody
nobody's knocking him for what he did see, but it's not what he thinks it is. Ah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Some of the stuff you're looking at and you're looking at it and you're thinking that's what God is going to use and that's how he's going to do it. And what you see is right, but that's not what it is. The oil, watch this now, in the Old Testament, the oil and the lampstand or the menorah in the temple or the tabernacle, the oil was provided by the priest. In other words, the priest's assignment in the temple was to keep filling the lampstand with oil. But that's not the case anymore. Don't miss this, Brother Dana. Don't miss this. The power of what the text is saying is that the Jews, the Jews thought the Messiah was coming to set up his throne, but that wasn't the case. And what God was saying, no longer will a priest have to be able to put oil. No longer will you have to be responsible to make it work. Cat dog it. No longer will you have to keep this law. I'm going to fix this. This vision says this temple, this time when I build it, it will not be responsible by the hands of man, but by the power of God. I'm getting preaching. The question comes back to what do you see? Because what you're looking at may not be what it actually is. Ah, God. Your understanding may be thinking, have you thinking that it's going to happen one way, but God has another plan. Let me take you a little further. The next part says vision is meant to alter your reality. The vision was meant to alter their reality. So God gives the vision to actually shake up what you actually see. Watch this now. A godly vision should alter your reality. Listen, why? Please, Sharon, Tony, listen. If, listen, if the vision is the same as your current reality, then why have a vision? Why would God send a vision if the vision does nothing but explain what is your regular reality? I'm telling you, if God gives you a new message, it is always to alter the reality of your current situation. Ah, God, that's why you see ahead, because you want to change from the reality. Watch this. You write a vision statement for the family business because you want the business to be further along. In other words, you don't write a vision statement statement that depicts where you are. There is no future in that. So you write a vision statement because you want to change in your reality. Somebody say, God change my reality with a vision. God will change your reality if you can see the vision. I feel him now. But psychologically, here it is. Here it is, little Ben. Here it is, Cynthia. Psychologically, we want the change to be like where we are. Oh, we're just stuck in the mud. We're like in quicksand of spirituality. In other words, God, we won't change, but please don't make it much different from where I am. I like it where I am. And these people, that's the conflict. That's the conflict at the at the at the, the ride in at Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. That's the conflict. Some were singing Hosanna and others were saying crucify him because someone
wanted change and others wanted things to stay the same. In other words, folk who didn't want change were saying, kill that man. He's sitting up here talking about he's the son of God and he's going to bring life and all Crucify him. And then there are others who are saying, we want change. We want change. And they're the ones saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Have you ever had friends who say to you, kill that noise? These are people who don't want you to progress. People who tell you to kill everything that has the potential of growth in your life. People who tell you don't start the business. People who tell you don't try to lose weight. People who tell you don't go to that ministry. People who tell you don't apply for this new opportunity. Don't take the workshop. Don't take. These are vision killers. And you've got to be able to say, I will not be crucified by you. I am the king of kings. I've got to go through the cross, but there is victory on the other side. I came to tell somebody you got to get past the conflict. Some of you have that old mentality where you want to keep stuff God says get rid of. And God says, I want you to get rid of stuff because I have something better for you. Keep it moving, Pastor Cherry. Keep it moving. Here is this. The vision requires transformative thinking. Vision requires transformative thinking. Somebody say transformative thinking. Transformative thinking. In other words, change requires changed thinking. In other words, vision, changing vision requires an adjustment in your understanding. You have to be able to see Jesus coming in on a donkey, but see him as king of kings and lord of lords. In other words, you see him riding in in the gospels, but skip up to revelation (laughs) and you see him coming in mighty power and authority in a robe of vestured white with a name written on it that no man knows king of kings and lord of lords and in his mouth is the sword of God and he will slay his enemy just by opening you've got to be able to jump from the gospels to revelation do you see what I'm saying it is the beginning of the end and vision casts the ending so you know what to do while you're on the journey to get there ah you're not getting this. Uh, Change requires a change in your understanding because if you don't understand it, you will kill what came to save you. I marvel all the time at how different races try to kill each other just on the basis of not understanding each other. Well, because I can't understand you, then I'm going to kill you. That is just ignorant to me. Just because you don't understand someone else's ethnicity or their cultural makeup or background doesn't mean that they are inferior doesn't mean that they're less than. It doesn't mean that they're not valuable and significant. It just means that you need to adjust your understanding. Some people like this kind of music. Some people like this kind of music, but that does not make their music bad, and nor does it make their music bad. When you have a vision, you have to be willing to understand. Somebody say understand. You have to know the difference in what you see actually and what God means by what you see. I'll say that again. There's a difference in what you see actually and what God means by what you see. So again, the question is, what do you see? I know you see the lampstand. I know you see the lights. I know you see the trees, but it may not be what you actually see. So vision must change from the empirical sight to the spiritual sight. Vision always has to account for the potential of an alternate reality. Oh God, I want to tell somebody when God gives you a vision, he's given you the potential of an alternate reality. Hallelujah. When God gives you something 
that looks down the road, when God gives you something of promise, it adjusts your reality and you can have joy because it symbolizes potential. For just as there are those who are saying Hosanna, there will be those who shout crucify him. As I said earlier, there is a difference between what you see actually and literally and what it is God means by what you see. Which takes me to my next point and I want to give you this reality. The second point is what does vision convey? The first question was what do you see? But the second thing is what does it convey? In other words, what is the interpretation of what you see? Sometimes Joy has a dream and sometimes I have dreams and we wake up when we can really, really, when it's vivid and we know all the details, we say to each other, I had this dream and we let the other person like tell the whole dream and then we say, interpret it, Bishop. Tell me what that means. And so then we go through this scenario and we start saying, hmm, well, let me see. Because she got the vision literally. In other words, she saw it actually, but she asked me to put on my spiritual cap and vice versa when it's my dream so that I can try and provide spiritual application to the reality of what she's got. I'm telling you, don't take a vision at face value because what you see may have deeper meaning behind it. Is anybody getting what I'm saying? Interpretation is explaining the meaning of something. It is taking the factual data. It is taking the empirical data and combining it with the potential possibilities to see if there is cohesion. And sometimes when I tell Joy what I think it is, she says, "Mm, you know, I kind of thought that first, but that doesn't mesh. And sometimes we go through a couple of different scenarios and I say, well, maybe this meant that, and maybe this meant that. And so what we're doing is we're pitting the spiritual with the actual and we're trying to see where is the fit. Ah, God, I'm saying there is a fit that God has for the vision he gives you. Ah, just watch this now. Let me show you the text uh, because I'm not making this up. The text says, I asked the angel who talked with me. He said, what are these, my Lord? In other words, what is this that I see? I want you to be able to see that Zechariah was asking, what is it? Verse five said, he answered, do you not know what these are? He says, no, my Lord, daddy came. He says, no, my Lord, what are these? He says, I replied. And then verse six says, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold up. Hold up, CY. Hold up. He said this vision is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. How can a vision be a message? Oh, I'm going to get down to it. He says, here is the message for Zerubbabel. Here it is. I want you to see this, Antonio, my brother. He says, not by power, nor not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, the message is, didn't I tell you earlier that before the oil was provided by the priest and he says no longer will it be by the might or the power I'll explain that in a second but it will be by the spirit ah let me get down to it I want to jump ahead but I can't I gotta wait he says then he says in verse 7 he says what are you almighty mountain before Zerubbabel you will become level ground then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it God bless it let me just break that down for you for a minute because I know you're a little confused. I came to tell you, look at this, take a picture of this. Visions communicate messages. Visions communicate messages. 
The vision points to a message. In other words, visions inform. Visions are used because they are more picturesque. They are alluring. Do you, I want you to understand this. He could have just gave them a message. He could have just said, tell the people, tell the people that it ain't going to be by might, it ain't going to be by power. No, he didn't do that. What did he do? He gave them a vision. Why did we go through a golden lampstand with a bowl on top with the trees on the left and the right with pipes coming down and order and the fire and all. why do you think it's so descriptive when I post something when I post something on social media in words only when I just type out the words people don't read them it just it's it, a few people read them but when I post a picture or a video and I'm acting up and I'm doing all this all oh, 50 likes uh, all oh, 100 views all oh, because people like visuals people are turned on by pictures and I came to tell somebody you need a vision I know you're reading the words on the paper I know you're being faithful reading the book but God came to give you a vision visions are needed because they capture your attention and sometimes you can go through so much in life that you need more than just a nice little scripture reading you need God to put a picture in front of you and you need to ask God give me a vision God let me see what you see God show me the beginning of my ending visions aren't just for seeing but they are for reading the message is that God has brought them back into their land and he will rebuild their temple once again he will bless their land but here it is it won't be by might it won't be by power but it will be by my spirit in other words Jesus won't do it by might but he'll do it by spirit so this means that the items in the vision ought to speak to this truth let's see how this works out let me show you what I'm talking about so you don't think that I'm making this up look at this the items in the vision point to the message. The items in the vision, if you are, listen, I'm trying to tell you how to pay attention to the vision and the dreams that God gives you in the spiritual realm. The items in the vision point to the message. So if you don't have a clear vision, you won't have a clear message. Because if you can't determine what the items are, that will impede your ability to determine what the message is. Is anybody tracking? So when writing a vision statement, make sure you include the details, the elements that will clearly convey your message. Teach your vision to speak by assigning meaning to the item you see. In other words, nobody wants to read a vision statement that's just um, by the 2.2 years we'll have picture. In other words, don't write the vision statement in legalese. Nobody likes to read legal documents because they're filled with codes and rhetoric that it is not exciting. Nobody reads the penal code as a calming, relaxing reading by the poolside. People read books uh, because they bring life off the pages. The words create pictures in your mind and so you must write a vision statement that helps people what see it you've got to live your life in a way that people don't just hear what you'll say but they see what you mean ah god you're gonna miss that here god says you as a franchisee have to not just be words to people people aren't interested in words anymore people don't just listen to preaching anymore they need to see a vision of it they need to see you helping people. They 
need to see you giving life to people. They need to see you doing it. Don't you know why those commercials skyrocketed by 300% of all of these appealing commercials? We can do it together. We are strong as a nation. Why? Because they appeal to the emotions during a difficult time in the pandemic. And I came to tell you in the midst of all the struggle you're going through, if people have the good common sense to create commercials and movies and be creative to try to tug to your emotions to help you see a better light. Do you not think that God will create a vision for your life to help you see beyond the trouble you're in the midst of? And so God is saying, I gave this vision to Zechariah to remind the people that I'm here to bless you, not tear you down. I'm here to give you prosperity again, not to make you broke. And here's how we know it's a message. Here's a tip on on interpreting dreams. Remember the message was, it won't be by might nor by power, but by God's spirit. Then something must represent the spirit in this picture, right? If it's going to be by the spirit, well, what's what's in the book? What's in the vision? The oil. The oil represents the spirit. This is done by the spirit. In other words, this rebuilding will be done by the spirit. You tried to do your first marriage out of your flesh. You tried to do that first job out of your flesh. You tried to buy that first house out of your flesh. This time, try to do it by the Spirit. Ah, God, I feel him. In other words, the oil represents the Spirit. So we are assigning meaning to what we saw. We saw the oil, which represents the Spirit. We are assigning meaning to the oil we saw. The seven candlesticks we know represent the seven churches. If you jump to the end of Revelation, we know that John saw the same similar kind of seven candlestick. And those seven candlesticks were the seven churches. He also saw seven stars, which were the pastors of those churches. But those pastors are not listed in here because God does not want you to think that this will happen because of your pastor. This will happen because of God's spirit. The spirit represents the oil. And God is saying, I don't want you to put your trust in Zerubbabel. I don't want you to put your trust in Zechariah. I don't want you to put your trust in any king. I don't want you to put your trust in the government. I don't want you to put your trust in the economy. I want you to put your trust in the spirit of the living God. The spirit represents the oil and the anointing of kings. With oil meant the spirit of the Lord was upon them for service. If you notice in, in, in 1 Samuel 16, 13, every king was anointed with oil. In other words, the oil gave them the power for service. What Zechariah saw was a well-oiled machine. This machine is going to work without you. This is going to happen without you. This is going to happen because of your faith. This well-oiled machine was to establish the operation of the Holy Spirit in our endeavors and callings. And we as churches and ministries, as men and women of God, have got to do stuff by the anointing of the spirit. Stop going out and trying to feed the hungry because you think you're so charming. You are not. You need the Holy Ghost to be all over you. I love the text that talks about how when the when it was a, 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 the oil was on Aaron's beard and it flowed down the robe down to his feet. And so when the oil gets on the pastor, when the oil gets on the church, when the oil gets on the ministry, when the oil gets on you, it flows down all the way to the lowest person in 
your life. Be careful now how close you get to me. You might get some oil on you. <laughs> That's how you ought to live. Anointed and drenched and marinated, saturated with the Holy Spirit of God. I ain't talking about all this speaking in tongues and all that. I'm talking about being spirit-filled to the point of clusters of maturity, phases of righteousness, growth and maturity and development to the point where you start living what you believe and that there is awesome discernment as you see God happen in your life. People validate you as true because the reality of what you have spoken years ago is now manifesting. Ah, is that not the triumphal entry? It is the beginning of the manifestation of the reality of what was prophesied in the Old Testament. Ah, that's all right. You're not ready for this. This is too much. My actions in Jerusalem are for transfer of power. And that's why Jesus came. We know that in Revelation 1, we see John talking about these churches and we talk about, he says, we will see these eyes. We'll see their eyes that he saw and their, uh, the two trees. We'll see what those mean in just a second. But don't forget, vision is all about seeing. Seeing. Don't you want to see? Don't you want to see? Don't you want to see? Wendy, don't you want to see? I mean, God has stuff for you, but you can't see it because you're too busy arguing with your spouse. You can't see it because you're too busy hating your boss. You can't see it because you're too disappointed in what you cannot change. You can't see what God, oh God, what do you, never mind, never mind. Let me go on. I got to wrap this up before you guys pull a time on me. Listen to this. Vision should clear obstructions so you can see the future clearly. And I like what this said in verse 7. The, the writer said, the angel said to Zechariah, he said, who are you, O great mountain standing in the way of Zerubbabel? You must be out of your mind trying to block vision. He said, I will flatten you so the headstone can be seen clearly. Uh, watch this, baby sister. Sugar, you still with me? I hope you're still there. The mountain is pummeled so that the headstone can be seen. Uh, watch this now. You can't see past the mountain. <laughs> watch this now. A mountain can be in your way. In other words, you can't see past the mountain. And God says there are some mountains in your life that are obstructing your vision. There's a mountain called tradition. And that mountain was standing in the way of many Jews. Many Jews couldn't see the Messiah coming in because the mountain of tradition was blocking gap dogging. <laughs> what is blocking your sight? I got news for you. God says the vision said the mountain will be pummeled so that the, the headstone can be seen. And he said the headstone will be brought forth with shouts of favor upon favor saying God bless it. God bless it. We read that in the text. So in other words, ah, do you get this? Do you get the connection? Never saw this before. Do you know why now they were saying Hosanna? Hosanna as he was coming in? Because the mountain was being brought down and the head 
white stone was now able to be seen. And they were saying, God bless it, God bless it. In Zechariah, way down in the New Testament, we'd be saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. We watch this now because the mountains are coming down. Mountains are moved at his command. Distractions and obstructions are coming down. Why? So you can finally see the vision. I came to tell somebody that the mountain that the devil keeps throwing up in your face every time you get excited about change in your life. God said it won't be by might, it won't be by power, nor it will be by the Spirit of the Lord. And might is a word used for a great army. In other words, you won't win this battle with a bunch of people. He says you won't win this battle by power. That word is different. That word is as an individual who has great strength in their individual. It won't be because of you, boo. He says there's only one way this visual is coming to pass, and it will be because God exposes you. Huh? You not sit, do the marketing, do all you're supposed to do, everything you're supposed to do humanly, but when God says it's time for your platform to be seen, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You're going to jump up on, they're going to say, oh, this is on TV. Look at that on the radio. That is on TV. There they are. Why? All of a sudden, what did you do? And everybody asks you, well, what did you do? I just kept living for the Lord. And the Lord opened the door. He opens doors no man closes. He closes doors that no man's open. So God says, tell my people, this new arrangement will level the mountains so that the capstone can be seen. In other words, let's make sure your signage is visible. Can I just say something, Shana? Shana, who opens a business, puts a sign on their business on the back of the building where it cannot be seen? <laughs> Ain't nobody putting up paying thousands of dollars for signage and it cannot be seen? God says, I'm going to put you. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that your signage is seen. In other words, I'm going to tear down the mountain, the building that's in front of your building. I'm going to bring it down so that everybody who drives by on the 405 can see your sign. (laughs) God is going to direct people to your franchise. God is going to direct people to your ministry. You just have to have the vision to be a God dog. So Jesus, watch this now. I got to parallel this to the, to the, to the Palm Sunday. He said, I'm going to bring down the mountain so the capstone can be seen. Well, is not Jesus the stone that the builders rejected? He says they rejected him. But what is he now? We read in Corinthians, the third chapter, that he is now the chief cornerstone. The stone that was once rejected is now the stone that is chief, that gives direction to the rest of the building. I'm telling you, the people that rejected you, you're going to one day be chief giving them direction. If you can have the vision for what God has in your life, Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected, but now he is seen by everybody. Remember, he was just seen by the Jews. He was just seen by the Jews. But now God said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, salvation now is no longer for just the Jews, but it's to the Gentiles, to whoever believes. And that's the mountain. 
mountain that came down. The mountain that said the gospel was just for the Jews. But now the gospel is for everybody. I got to finalize this. I got to take you home. Here we go. Let's get out of this PC. Number three, the goal of every vision is its realization. The first point was, what do you see? The second point is, what does it convey? The third point is, will it be realized? How do we know that it finally comes to fruition? The goal of every vision is its realization. I just got to pause. Is this helping anybody? Is this helping you? Just just tout on there if, you, if you've been helped. But vision realization is hard to maintain when there are other visuals that contradict your desired reality. It's hard to have a vision of you at 130 pounds when you keep seeing 190 every morning. Ah, that's all right. I ain't, I ain't picking no bones. I'm talking about myself. I'm talking about me. I ain't trying to get to 130. That, that's getting a bone. I can't, can't do that. But my point is the vision, the vision reality is hard to maintain when you have visuals that contradict your reality. So what I'm trying to say is you have to be able to, that's why meditation is good. That's why sometimes just staring off into the sky and space, because it takes your vision off of the visuals that discourage you. For example, how do you think people, listen, how do you think people felt when Jesus was hanging on the cross? How do you think people were feeling when they saw their Messiah hanging on the cross, crucified, killed, their vision realization was witnessing a different kind of vision. Their Messiah was being killed and so were their dreams of peace and victory. In other words, they didn't know the end. They didn't know he's getting up in three days. All they saw was that this is the end. This is, Jesus is on the cross and he is dying. That's all they saw. I came to tell you there's more to this story. There is a realization of what you saw and it's coming, but you must go through the cross to get to the victory of the resurrection. Is anybody getting what I'm saying? So let me give you this last passage of scripture. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. Remember I told you the foundation was laid. His hands will also, here it is, complete it. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. In other words, the vision, you will, you will respect Zechariah's vision when you see it happen. He says, you will know that the Lord sent me, that's Zechariah, or the, 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 the angel saying to Zechariah, you will know it because it will come to pass. In other words, every vision must have a realization in order to confirm the stability and the authority of that vision. So Zechariah was going, so he said, Zerubbabel was going to finish, he was going to complete the foundation he began. Look at verse 10. Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord which range throughout the earth. Wait a second. Wait. Who despises small beginnings? In other words, who's sitting up there talking about? Who, who's sitting up there talking about? Just because it's small, it ain't going to work. And just because it, we only got two people. We only got 10, ten people. In other words, those people who are despising the small things, these men will rejoice when they see 
see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Well, what is that plumb line? Let me give you this one. Look at this. Vision is not the start. It is the beginning. I want you to understand that the vision is not the start. It's the beginning. In other words, it's the beginning of another phase of something that started a long time ago. What do I mean by that? When something comes into realization, here's what I'm saying. When something comes into the realization, it's not the start of a thing. It is the manifestation of a continuum of what started long ago. So when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, it was the final week, but it was not the start of the Messiah coming. That started way back in Genesis when God said he shall bruise the, the, the devil's crush the devil's head and his head would bruise Jesus's heel in other words that prophecy was back in Genesis so when we see this triumphal entry we see the beginning of the end not the start uh, you, you may not get that but that's alright I gotta move on it's the manifestation of something that happened long ago so Jesus entering to Jerusalem was put in motion years before Remember I taught you, I taught you also as a franchisee, I told you start with why. Your start is with why, but the vision statement is a different beginning. In other words, you start with why and that starts the ball rolling. But when you get, by the time you get vision, you've done a whole bunch of other steps before you even get to a vision. Ah man, business people will get what I'm saying. Remember, you have to know that your vision statement is different. It's different from the start. It's when you're actually ready to begin implementation. Somebody say, implement it, Lord. Implement it. In other words, I want to start seeing in my life the implementation of what I know God started in me when I was got when I got saved at six years old, three years old. The Bible says, listen, listen, listen. How, how will we know it's really happening? How will we know it's time for the new reality? I don't know about you, but I'm hungry. I'm hungry for God to manifest the destiny of my life. I know that the the number I'm preaching to is not the number I've seen in the vision. I know that the calling on my life is far greater than where I am right now. So how do I know when it starts happening, Anna? How do I know when it starts happening, Daddy Kane? How do I know when it starts happening, Tony? The Bible said the word came to Zechariah again saying, the foundation has been laid. The vision coming to pass is placed on top of many years of preparation and planning. Mistakes and successes are all planning grounds for the manifestation of God bringing it to pass. God uses everything and I know that I'm ready for my manifested destiny when I know my foundation is planted strong and sure. My foundation is Jesus Christ. I stand upon that foundation and now I'm ready to build upon it. And here we go as we wrap this up. He says then vision has foundation. Your vision must have foundation here here is a foundation staring them in the face a work that has been stalled due to disbelief and murmuring the Jews were back in Jerusalem but they were looking at a foundation and that's all there was this was not the temple this was just the foundation and vision must have points of confirmation in order to keep a dream alive in other words you got to look at your foundation and don't just look at it as oh but that's just the foundation no look at the foundation and say step one complete <laughs> you got to look at the foundation 
foundation and not see it as something small and something to your demise. You've got to look at it as a confirmation stepping stone. And I know I'm ready for the next phase of my life because my foundation is sure. Constant visions contrary to what you have envisioned will kill a spirit quickly. You cannot look at stuff over and over again that negates the call on your life and think that you're going to see what God sees in you. Let me wrap this up. Look at this. I keep saying that, but, you, but I don't do it. If it's God's vision, it will become a reality. Say that with me. If it's God's vision, it will become a reality. Say it again. If it's God's vision, it will become a reality. The text said, God said to Zechariah, don't worry. Zerubbabel started it and he will complete it. So when you look at your foundation, you look at your foundation and don't be discouraged. You say, if God started it, he's going to complete it. He who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's scripture. So I think he says Zerubbabel will finish it. He, he goes to the point to say Zerubbabel will finish the foundation to let them know it will happen soon. In other words, it's not going to be Zerubbabel's cousin. It's not going to be Zerubbabel's son. It's not going to be Zerubbabel's grandson. Zerubbabel's going to finish. In other words, it's going to happen in this lifetime and it's going to happen soon. I can tell somebody it's about to go down. That God is going to give you the opportunity to express yourself in the highest form in which he has created you. Don't let the smallness fool you. Somebody say that with me. Don't let the smallness fool you, boom. Finally, he says, then you will know the Lord has sent me. Vision completion is calling confirmation. I'll say that again. Vision completion is calling confirmation. In other words, when you start seeing your foundation confirm who you are, when you start seeing your marriage confirm who you are, when you start seeing your job confirm who you are, when you start seeing things line up as confirmation of who you are, that becomes the establishment of vision completion. For everything that is in your life that is working the way God has called it to work, those are vision confirmations which work toward your vision completion. And the more stacks of confirmation you have, the more God is ready to bring you to your triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. Now when you get started, there still will be some who will be crying crucify him. You ain't nobody. It may be family members. It may be an ex-boyfriend. It may be a neighbor. It may be a co-worker. Ignore them. Ignore them. Ignore them. Why? Because you've got a bunch of confirmations that solidify the credibility of who you are. You are the authentic Christ. There are those who despise the smallness of things as if the smallness of it confirmed it was going to happen. To them, God said, the foundation represented the smallness of a big vision. But what do you do when what you've seen in heaven doesn't look like what you're seeing on earth? I refuse to believe you, bank account. You lying on me. God said he will provide. I rebuke you, devil. I rebuke you, lack. I rebuke you, poverty. God said he will take care of me. I rebuke all of these things that give me poor visuals. 
of what God has told me. He would not have gifted me if he didn't plan on using me. I rebuke those visions. Despise not small things. It is a small thing that morphs into something great. It is the size of a mustard seed that tells a mountain to be moved. If you put a little leaven in some baking goods, that little bitty cake will morph into a big old juicy cake that becomes delicious. Despise not the small beginnings. Have you ever heard of double vision? Double vision is seeing your current reality of just a foundation, but I still see the full temple as well. Double vision is seeing a dirt field, but I also see the ministry building with classrooms and TV studio and baptismal. Double vision is seeing a one-bedroom apartment, walking through that little 800-square-foot apartment while seeing a five-bedroom house with a pool in the backyard. Don't let the smallness fool you, boom. Somebody adjust your glasses. Somebody adjust your glasses. You need to be able to see. Look at here. Are you straight? Touch somebody and say, are you straight? Are you straight? Are you straight, man? Verse 10 said, those who despise or can't get past the small things, even they will see the plumb line of the hand of Zerubbabel with the seven eyes of the Lord. A plumb line is needed to level things out, to stop the vacillation of vertical and horizontal things. In other words, when there are things that keep doing this and that, you need a plumb line to do what? To level it out. A plumb line stops the vacillation in your life. A plumb line stops you from going back to people you should leave and leave alone for good. The plumb line straightens out controversy. The plumb line straightens out the conflict of low self-esteem and the godly character that he put inside your life. Don't we say this to people, Lil Ben, Lil Ben, you, you black with me. We say this to people. We say, are you straight, dog? We say, are you straight? What are we saying? Meaning, are you leveled out? Is all good now? In other words, God says the plumb line. <laughs> people who are looking and mocking your smallness, one day are going to see the straight line. <laughs> the angel was saying your straightness will convince despisers of your small days that God really is the God of your vision and that vision will come to pass. Somebody say, straighten me out, Lord. <laughs> straighten me out, Lord. <laughs> Somebody get straight this morning. <laughs> I know I'm over time, but I feel this word <laughs> for somebody's spirit. Straighten me out, Lord. <laughs> straighten out my inconsistencies. Straighten out my addictions and habits. Straighten out my going back to what I should leave alone. Straighten out my yeses and my noes. Let my yay be yay and my nay be nay. In other words, choose something and stick with it. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Straighten it out. Uh, God, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Having eyes are critical to having vision. If you ain't got no eyes, you ain't going to see. Tap somebody and say, you got eyes? You got eyes? Why does vision matter? Why are the eyes so important to the future? Verse 10b said, the seven lamps are the seven eyes of the Lord, which see all throughout the earth. The seven eyes are equivalent to the seven spirits in Revelation 5. Jesus is known to have eyes like fire. So in other words, the eyes that see are the eyes that are the eyes of Jesus like fire. And we know that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of Jesus. So the fire, the spirit, the eyes all have relevance to the vision.
vision. So the vision of Jesus, he is the eyes. He's the eyes that sees. He goes to and fro in all the earth. He opens his eyes and he's able to see. You need eyes to see literally and spiritually. The last part of the text said, he said, who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range throughout the earth. They go throughout the earth. Look, your eyes, the eyes, the eyes, your vision eyes should have fire. When you have a vision, your eyes should have fire. In other words, they should be able to test what you see and burn up anything that is not like God. Your vision should have spirit. In other words, your vision should be anointed. Your vision should bless and your vision should be empowering. So in other words, people come up to you and say, I had a vision from the Lord and that vision means takes advantage of you and destroy you and manipulate you and abuse you. That is not a vision from God. The vision from God should have fire and the vision of God should have spirit and your vision should have oversight. In other words, your visual statement, when you write that vision statement, you should have oversight over what you see. In other words, you should have authority to make decisions about what you see. That's all right, man. You, God, I'm just trying to get you to see that all these things work in accordance to God's plan. So visions are both broad and they are detailed. So you have a vision and it's broad, it's detailed. Zechariah asked, last thing he says, these are the two trees, one on the left, one on the right, and the branches with which the trees were supplying the oil. In other words, vision is both broad and detailed. So Zechariah said, you know, he asked him, he said, what, what is this? What is this tree? And then he said, what is this branch that's trying to that bring the oil? Jesus was both God of all the universe and he's the Jesus of Nazareth coming to Jerusalem to be slain. So Zechariah said about both the trees and their branches, he asked about them. So when preparing for a vision statement, don't just state, I want to be a pilot. You, okay, well, I want to be a pilot. Well, what does that mean? Be able to articulate clearly how you plan to get there. This is the last verse for sure, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling the story. Listen to this. He says, Then I asked the angel, What are these two olive trees on the right and on the left of the lampstand? And he said, Again, I asked him, What are these two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that poured the golden oil? He said, He replied, I, Do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I said, so he said, these are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. These are the two who serve of all the earth. Here is my conclusion. The angel responded by saying, these are the two servants anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. Remember, this is going to happen, but it won't be by might, nor by power, nor by your strength of man, but it will be by God's spirit. So God has designated his servants to keep our lamps oiled for burning. In other words, no more do you have to worry about keep filling this up, keep filling this up, keep filling this up. God says, focus on me, focus on living for me, worshiping and serving me, and I will keep your lamps trimmed and burning bright. While men fall asleep and cannot be trusted, God has now employed his own servants that will make sure we have the oil we need to serve him faithfully. Our visions will come to pass because God's 
oil for our trees keep us filled with the oil to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. The branches are connected to the bowl to continue to fill the lamps. A vision cannot accomplish its desired end if it is not connected to a resource. So as long as I stay connected to God, I will be filled. And God's resources never run out. We read in the Old Testament as long as that widow, as long as there was a drought and the widow stayed connected to the prophet Elijah, her picture never ran out of oil. I'm telling you, your vision will always have enough when it is connected to God's servant. Whenever God is connected to what you're doing, you will never run out of resources to complete it. God's servants bring the oil. We are not the oil. We are a dispensary of oil. We are sons and daughters of oil. We fill cups so they can overflow onto others. We are dreamers ourselves and modifiers of destinies for those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. We give hope to the dismal eye that has lost sight of what God has promised to do through them. We are like trees standing by you, waving in the wind with just the amount of oil you need when you cry out to God. I am not the oil, but I am a tree standing by the bow. For every lampstand that's connected to the church I'm pouring. I am the dispensary. God gives the oil, but I'm bringing the oil to you. Thank God for this ministry. Thank God for this pipeline. Thank God for the internet. Thank God for technology to be able to bring the oil to you. As Jesus is the vision of all mankind, he is both the servant that makes it all possible. Palm Sunday is the entry of the vision, the hope of the downcast, the brightness of our future. And I came to spark your light. I came to resurrect your vision. I came to pour oil in your dry bowl. I came to reconnect you to say, Live, liven up, fire up, vision up, power up. God wants to use you. My plea to all you business owners in the kingdom of God's family business is to go back and look at your vision and remind yourself of what the core of what you saw. What do you see? What did you see when you got saved? I don't care if drama derailed you. I don't care if a church leader discouraged you. I don't care if a church uh, misused you or mishandled you. Find another church. Find a right self-servant. Find a right helper. Find the right tree to connect to so the oil can put you back in the business. The lack of execution of the vision doesn't mean the vision has changed. It just means that it's waiting on you to get started. And so to all you who dare to have vision, I say to you, see it, interpret it, and realize it. Happy Palm Sunday. I'm PC, and that's all I've got. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah.